Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ravi Straczynski. Thanks so much for joining us on episode number 58 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Today's guest is Gary Hager, the poker room manager at the brand new Resorts World Las Vegas. Gary brings a long history in poker to Resorts World. He started as a professional poker player, then became a dealer before moving into managing poker rooms. He served as a tournament director at the Wynn in Las Vegas and then became the room manager at Wynn Macau in 2011. Most recently, he served as director of poker at Encore Boston Harbor. Today, we get to know Gary better as well as have a special look at the newest poker room in Las Vegas. Gary, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast. Thanks for having me, Robin. My pleasure. Thank you very much for making time to see me and speak with me today. Um, I understand you're originally from Chicago. Is that correct? Correct. I grew up in the northwest suburbs. Uh, if you've been to Chicago, you've probably heard of Schaumburg. Of? Uh, just, uh, Schaumburg. Okay. Just a couple miles from there in a small town called Digesta. Uh-huh. Okay. And you moved to Las Vegas to pursue a career as a professional poker player or for other reasons? Uh, similar to that, yeah. It was given <laughs> the opportunity to be a uh, quote-unquote uh, dealer at the Venetian when they opened the room there that um, okay. they needed some people to play and help keep the games going. And okay. I that sounded like an amazing opportunity. So okay. got in the car and drove out to Las Vegas and here we are. Interesting. So sort of like a half prop player, half dealer kind of deal or? Uh, very similar. I, I was I was playing for a while, kind of following the WPT cash games around way back when. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, heard of the opportunity where you could get uh, get paid eight dollars an hour go play on your own money and, right and then uh play for eight hours and and go home i thought it sounded amazing <laughs> it does and, yeah uh, it's a pretty sweet deal you, know, you get health benefits and a little 401k and, right and, uh, right so i took a shot and uh, kind of like like the business and you know i already knew how to deal at that point and uh, just kind of went step by step from there oh, so i did a little bit of each job kind of learned how the operation worked mm-hmm. and, um fortunate that they started asking me to run the, the tournaments over there and mm-hmm. just, just kind of caught on and I liked it and went, went from there. Interesting. Well, I mean, having started sort of as a player, has that affected a little bit the way you run rooms and your decision making as a manager, like just understanding the player's side a bit more? I, I think it I think it is helpful uh, on most decisions and rules and policies that are made for the room. Uh, it also helps you when there's a disagreement with players about the policies you can, you can put yourself in their shoes. And if they're willing to have the conversation, um, you can, you can give them the long-term reason on why it's actually better for the player in many, many instances um, to have the particular policy that at that time may not seem beneficial to the player. It may feel like you're kind of not wanting to be player friendly when in reality, it's, it's more friendly for all the players. Right. And do you find that players kind of understand it when you give them that sort of reasoning? I would say most of the time, if we can actually have a standard conversation where there's no there's no stress or it's mm-hmm. at an elevated level of hostility, if it's just a real conversation, I think mm-hmm. it, I think in the end, um, most of the time, well, we come okay. to a resolution and, and say, oh, OK, I can, I can see the long term effects of that. I just I didn't see it right away. But here, here we are. And that, uh, that is better for the community as a whole. Very good. Well, I mean, obviously you're busy. You've got your hands full managing uh, the newest room in Las Vegas. Do you find time still to ever play recreationally? Maybe you've got a home game, something like that. 
at, at the moment, it's far and few between. Uh, I, prior to Encore Boston Harbor opening, there was there was some time to play, uh, but opening a new property does not <laughs> really leave much time for that. And if, uh, if you're finding time to play during the opening of a new property, I, I would say you're missing something. There you go. <laughs> okay. Well, I imagine even if you did find it, wouldn't be tournaments. You're more of a, a cash game uh, player. Um, I like to play both. Okay. Uh, from from time to time, whatever you know, whatever presents itself, uh -huh. I'll go play a tournament here and there, play some some cash here and there if, uh, if time permits, and mm -hmm. just kind of whatever whatever's available. Cool. Well, I know there's a pretty vibrant mixed game scene here in Las Vegas, and uh, here at uh, Resorts World, you have managed to um, you know sort of uh, entice a lot of the mixed game players to play at both low stakes and high stakes. Are you a mixed game aficionado yourself, or are you more of a pure Hold'em uh, only kind of guy? I would I would say Hold'em and a little bit of Omaha. I would I would not have any money left if I played exclusively <laughs> mixed games. Um, from from that standpoint, though, you see the future and the style of poker that the mixed games are bringing to Las Vegas. Each each game, in general, but not in the very low stakes, has there's kind of a host. There's a community. They just generally have a group chat or a WhatsApp group that uh, they kind of organize the games on right. themselves. And uh, we've been very fortunate in order in speaking to some of those key players in town, uh, all the way with 4, 8, 6, 12, 8, 16 that run regularly on, yep. the, on the regular stakes. Uh, and there's not really much middle round right. mixed game in Las Vegas. From there, it jumps to the 8160, which we were getting uh five days a week uh you know wow. ali najad is kind yeah, enough yeah. to host that game for us and kind of brings it in here and then as as of late um mike thorpe known as crazy mike oh yeah uh, we've been running his his 300 600 game here two days a week and uh what we found is that we when we hired during the time when everybody was kind of out of work um, we were able to secure people with good attitudes that were good dealers and, you know, didn't, and didn't have to just take everybody that, that applied. And what that gave us was the ability to have all the dealers know all the games. Oh know. yeah. And very important. It's so nice to see the players come in and there's no, there's no problems in the mixed games. We don't have to no run friction, it's run smooth. dealers around, you know, Hey, this dealer can't deal here. This dealer can't deal here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the dealers go through all the games and we've, we've heard, just amazing things about the, the mm -hmm. dealers in general, that all the dealers are, are extremely good, well-versed, and mixed games keep coming back. And that's a, that's a big deal for mm -hmm. players that run mixed games. They want to be able to have 15 games in their mix where they don't have to worry about explaining every game yep. to every dealer every 30 minutes when they sit down. It's just yep. a nice, a nice uh, flow for them. So I think that's where... We have a little bit of advantage in the uh, mixed mm -hmm. games. Well, it uh, you know it may seem like a trite detail, but that's really not something to be taken for granted, especially in a market where there's a labor shortage like this. Um, that's a pretty cool feather in your caps uh, to have. Uh, you know, kudos to you guys. Um, obviously, besides this room, you've worked in many rooms, and I would imagine this is currently your favorite. You wouldn't say otherwise, but. Um, you know, you've had a long career in gaming, in the poker industry. Is there any particular place that still has a, a special place in your heart from where you used to work? Um, I would have to say Macau will always have, have that. It's a, it's a unique place, not just in poker, but on earth. And I don't think that the, the system, the policies, the procedures, the players, the size of the games, just mm. the 
any aspect of the poker room there can be replicated anywhere else on earth besides mm. there. Just the sheer volume of of dollars that can be wagered there. Um, we're not talking the, Hong Kong dollars either. Yeah, the real dollars. Either way, the real the real deal. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they did play in Hong Kong dollars. But there was just there's just so many things. Uh, many of the stories about Macau. I when I came back to Boston, people always asked, "Hey, tell me about Macau." And I, I actually just stopped telling people about it because I was losing credibility because the stories are not they're not believable. Unless, wow. You know, they're just you know if you. Just so many things like that, but the, just the way the games ran, we had we had rules in place there um, that would not allow the players to take advantage of, of the VIPs. You know, the VIPs had special seats. You were not allowed to change. Like uh, you know, here you'll oftentimes see a, a, a novice player walk up to the table, and three players will shift shift to the left to get the novice player on their right. Right. We had policies in place where we would require players to be locked in their seats after a player left. We would draw if anybody wanted to take that next seat. We would draw for it on the next hand. That player would move to the seat. And after that, regardless of who came to the table, no one was allowed to move. No one was allowed to shift. No one was allowed to make that player hmm. feel uncomfortable. Another one we had where was where on the on the very big games, usually in most card rooms, when when a VIP leaves the table, um, the other players at the table beat them out of the poker room. Wow. You know, they'll play for they'll play for twenty hours. Yep. That's that player will. Uh, lose their money and, yep. and, the, and the table's gone before yep. you can even get up. Yep. We had, we had rules in place where if you left when that, that player left, that was your last session playing. Wow. We, we, wow. that player would get to leave. We would draw, they would play that number. They would play that number of hands this way. When that VIP comes back to check and take a look around the corner, see what's going on. doesn't feel that disrespect of um, they're only there. They're Being only there bum hunted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, wow. just, just there, there was a dozen or so rules that we had in place to, to protect the integrity and to protect those those VIPs and just keep it fair for everyone. Mm -hmm. No, you know. And these are rules that you came up with, or were sort of agreed upon by the, you know, close circle of players who played in those games. These were just uh, guidelines that felt like they needed to be put in place uh, for the general good of the poker playing community. So players didn't have. To, it was getting to a point where, if you weren't taking advantage of every little tiny piece. Then you were you were at a disadvantage because everybody else was doing it. So Got it. these were just rules to put in put in place to keep everybody acting like a gentleman, uh -huh. acting like a like an adult, a professional mm -hmm. person in these types of types of environments where you're playing for substantial amounts of money yep. and bickering over who's moving to what seat at what time. Mm -hmm. You just took all took all of the uh, that portion, the the angle shooting out of not just the game, but mm -hmm. you know running the list. I'll give you another example. Mm -hmm. uh, in general, the players would just get on every list and just continuously roll, roll, roll till they got to a good spot. Okay. We put a we put a procedure in place where you could get on any list you wanted. When we called your name, if you didn't take the seat, we made you wait two hours prior to going back on that list. And if you attempted to get on the list prior to that two hours expiring, on your watch, not ours, right. we would make you wait an additional four hours. Okay. And we wow. Al we also on the wow. very very big games. Um, we would, if you wanted to get on that list, we would give you, we would page you and you'd have five minutes to call us if you weren't in the hotel, and right. tell us you were coming. Right. And if you said you were coming for the game and it's you, locked up, and you, it's locked, you're playing. Okay. If you chose not to play that day, you couldn't play that game for the rest of the day. Okay. And that was just, wow. These are just the little things that and would make the game in the players didn't like it at first. They were like, oh, it's too strict. It's ridiculous. 
But then they realized that it was just fair and just for everyone. And they didn't have to just constantly, uh, yeah. for lack of a better term, bum hunt the list <laughs> 24 hours a day. For sure. Players liked it. And, and when you're playing limits that high, I imagine it's kind of critical to have so many, uh, you know, particular niche and, and minutiae kind of rules in place. And uh, I certainly understand that. I mean, you know, there's so much mystique uh, surrounding the Macau games. You don't have much media going there. So I'm not going to ask any particular questions. But when you say, when we have really big games, can you give some sort of an inkling as to what does that mean in dollar terms? What What, what is a really big game as far as limits? Uh, sure. The, the biggest one and the one that always comes to mind and again, believe it if you if you want to. Don't believe it if you don't. Okay. Want to. Uh, I had a woman come up, and oftentimes in the in the Cantonese in Mandarin language, they don't say the word like three thousand. They say thirty hundred. Okay. Is the, which is the translation for mm -hmm. us, or something along those lines. Is my understanding. There are oftentimes errors in numbers, okay. and someone would say twenty thousand when they mean two hundred thousand, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we just, um, mid midday. I don't remember if it was a weekday or weekday, but it doesn't really matter. There, the room was just always full. Um, I had a woman walk up and say, "I want to play big poker." And that was a normal normal request. Okay, and I said, "Okay." And our, our minimum game there at the time had a had a two thousand dollar minimum buy in. How and, much? Uh, two thousand dollars. It's in Hong Kong dollars. Oh, okay, okay. A, a small one. Uh, most of the day, uh, most of the days, it was a. Uh, Five thousand dollar Hong Kong buy-in, okay, six hundred and twenty-five U.S. dollars, okay, and it was equal to about six twelve U.S. No okay. Um, me being naive, I, I assumed she meant two thousand dollars. Right. She, she said twenty thousand, twenty million. Well, I can't remember what it was. Okay. And I just didn't think much of it. And she goes, No, no, no. I want to play for big, twenty million. Big poker, right? And I just said, Oh, okay, no problem. She's like, I'm going to go get the money. I'll be right back. Okay. I I didn't think anything of it. Went, thought she went to the restroom or went. To, the ATM. About 15 minutes later, there's there's two women that couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds, five feet tall, <laughs> dragging duffel bags. Oh my through, god! Through the casino on the marble floor. I uh, tried to be a gentleman and go go help them. I had no idea there was money in these yet, but it right. was her money that was coming to play coming to play poker. Wow! <laughs> wow. Now at that time, there were, we were nowhere near the cage, so this money was gonna have to be counted at the cage. And sure. I was like, Oh my gosh! What? What is going on? Uh, she was actually bringing money in for for uh, her boss or one of her bosses. Okay. Okay. To come in. Anyway, uh, I being uh, trying to be a gentleman again. I'm like, yeah. oh no, no problem. I'll carry the silver to the cage for okay. you. Okay. And uh, I picked it was two duffel bags, a shopping bag, and a backpack, all and filled with money, filled to the brim with bricks and bricks of cash. And it was much heavier than I thought it was going to be. But at that point. I offered to do it, so I had to man up and do it. Oh Luckily, the two ladies said they're good. They they literally left me with the money. Right. Went to the bathroom, and I'm walking to the cage <laughs> in Macau, the cage where it was at dead ends. Twenty feet to my my left is the cage, and thirty feet to my right is daylight. I thought about it for a second, but <laughs> where was I going to go? Wow. So I went to the cage. They brought some people over there. Yikes! It took them probably three hours to count. To count the money with the with the machines, right? Um, and then how do you populate these? Who do you decide like the game? The game, the game would fill instantly. Yeah, but how do how do they find out? Okay, you know, someone with money has come. Like it's just word goes it's, around. Are you you set you 
put them on the list? It's or? one of those things. You, okay. don't, you don't even have to speak of it. Okay. It just it just happens. They just if know. there's not already a game running, which we My always goodness. have a VIC, VIP seats in. Okay. Uh, we would always hold those seats. If there's not, wow. it would be filled before we even got the chips to the table. That is one heck of an incredible story. <laughs> My goodness. Um, wow. So um, what would you say is, um, I mean, obviously we're all familiar with American poker rooms, European poker rooms, few Westerners, relatively speaking, go and play poker in Macau. What would you say are some of, or perhaps the main differences of running a poker room in Macau versus other places? Um, the biggest difference I would say is the, the policies and procedures. The, the Macanese culture does not give a lot of leeway for uh, for decision making skills hmm. um, not by that they can't do it but that they don't they don't want to that's why it worked well having someone from here make the rules over there i would i would equate the uh the rule making process in macau similar to bumper bowling whereas <laughs> you're going to get to you your end result is getting that ball to the pins if you overinflate the bumpers you know okay. Uh, the ball is just going to hit it and go over. If you underinflate, it's going to fall in and stop. But if you get the rules just right, it doesn't matter. They just will, because they are very black and white. Got it. And they'll just say, this is the rule, this is the rule, this is the rule. And eventually, we all get to the end results. It's just how okay. how we get there. That's that's the what I would say is the very biggest challenge. Interesting. Uh, and uh, you had mentioned uh, briefly, I, I happened upon this, you said uh, that the um, Cantonese language um you know, then the numbers are a little bit different in sometimes errors. Did you have to learn fluent Cantonese for your position? Far from fluent. Okay. I, I was able to count to 10, uh, <laughs> tell a taxi to turn left, go straight or turn right. Okay. And uh, mostly order what I think I wanted at, at some restaurants. Like, <laughs> I, I mostly stuck to the places that had the good picture menus. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. I mean, yeah, again, you know, moving out to Macau beyond being, um, you know, a very interesting and, and unique type of career move that not a lot of people get to do. It's also a, a personal lifestyle choice. And, you know, you'd be there for a while. So what is it that attracted you um, to Macau from a non-professional perspective? Um, it, I didn't have any plan to really go there. I, okay. would, I would say... Uh, it occurred extremely quickly. Let's call it a Wednesday when uh, the former executive at, at Wynn uh, said, hey, Gary, do you want to go work in Macau? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I just brushed it off. I said, nah, no, yeah, no chance, no way. And I, I went home and I thought about it. And uh, by, I, I would say Friday morning, if that occurred on a Wednesday, less than 48 hours, hmm. um, I just thought, I'd, I, you know, what, a, what an opportunity. And uh, hmm. just said, I'm in. Let's go. How about I didn't, that? I didn't ask any specifics. Didn't ask what it paid or how long you'd be there. Nothing. Just wow. said, I, I'll never get that opportunity again. And just wow. Said, let's go. Okay. Well, before we move on to talking more about the resorts world here, just one more Macau question mm -hmm. for you. Uh, and so, how long are you there again? Are you uh, just under four years. Four years. Okay. So, what would you say is one of the most challenging, and then one of the most enjoyable parts of living in that part of the world? I, I would say they're both the same, okay. and that is uh, the, the culture. Oh. Um, if you go in thinking that, hey, we do it this way here, you're, you're going to fail, you know, because everything is different there. When people ask what, you know, tell me some things about Macau, I always say, you know, the only thing we have in common with, with Macau is gravity. Everything else is <laughs> different. So if you, if you go in understanding that uh, we're not going to change it, you know, just just 
enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Dislike the things you don't like, like the things you do like, and mm -hmm. just try to understand that it's it's different from here. But I, mm. I would say it's that's that's the answer to both of those questions. Is it's cool. it's the most challenging thing, and it's also the most rewarding thing. Uh, just just to get to see that from the inside. Sure. That probably makes you much more well-rounded as a human being and you know, appreciative of different cultures in that way as well. But that's very cool. Yeah, just understanding, you know, the uh, different peoples. <laughs> the different culture and different holidays. And oh, I'll give you one quick one, you know, you ask, you know, this is crazy. What is it? These people are over here burning fake money to to their dead relatives and leaving fruit on the side of the road. You know, that that's, that's really silly. And I'll never forget a guy's American name is Stephen. He goes, Oh, really? Our our holidays are are silly. Yeah, we don't have any giant bunnies running around laying eggs filled with candy. You're right. Ours are crazy. <laughs> I suppose so. Indeed. All right. Well, so anytime a new hotel debuts in Las Vegas, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, either you know debuts or gets imploded. So they're both big deals here in Las Vegas. Uh, Resorts World burst onto the scene back in June, and it made a pretty big statement in the poker world with this thirty table room one of the largest in the city. What do you think that that says about the company's commitment to poker right from the get-go? Well, they did make it, you know, uh, Scott Sabella has been in the in Las Vegas for a long time and you know, he made the commitment when we, we spoke prior to opening here that he, he wants this to be a good poker room. Does the manager of the he, property? He's the president of president. the, of the okay. resorts world here. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, let's go back to it. Doesn't, it doesn't have to be the biggest or the busiest. Uh, we just want it to be one of the best. Okay. We want it to be comfortable. We want players to like it. He made a commitment to you know, giving us a, a good budget to buy proper equipment, to pay competitively across you know across the board, to hire quality staff, and gave us a, a pretty good decor. The poker room where it's located right now, this was not the original location oh. for it. It was actually very close to the elevator, the uh, elevators in the parking garage, mm -hmm. kind of where you see Starbucks and the yep. gift shop over there. That was mm -hmm. the original location. Um, but it did move over here a few months before opening, and they did a good job, you know, turning it around. It's a little unorthodox for a poker room shape. Mm -hmm, yeah. But uh, they have made a commitment to to poker long term. You know, that they've given us the poker rate at the hotel for ninety nine dollars during the week. Um, they have a couple salons carved out for us over next to the high limit. So that's pretty cool. You know, you're saying that they had uh, quite a large budget. Uh, you know, to give you the flexibility and capability to create you know what we see as a beautiful room here were you in charge of that decision making decor equipment uh, design chairs i mean like people are just raving about it and quite frankly sitting right here in the room uh you know some some excellent choices i i was not by any means in charge um i had the pleasure of working with uh, debbie nutton who's a former executive at win uh, she was a consultant for the resorts world opening mm -hmm. and uh in, at the time when we started talking it was uh probably 2019 and i was just as a as a friend to you know we were going through the designs we took a lot of the, the table design from from encore um same manufacturer you know we had gone through this whole process just recently over there so it, you know just as a professional courtesy it was sharing you know uh, types of chairs, the types of uh, gas chambers in the chairs, what lasts, what doesn't last, what was breaking, what wasn't breaking. Uh, just a lot of materials. So, I, but not by any means in charge. But we okay. did we did work uh, pretty pretty close on choosing a lot of the mm -hmm. a lot of the equipment. Right. Uh, on everything was going in. Cool. 
Well, beyond equipment, uh, there's also personnel to speak of. And uh, I would call it almost a coup of sorts. You've brought several staff members to Resorts World over from Encore Boston Harbor. I imagine that has helped in quite a big way to get the room off the ground here. Uh, we, had, yeah, we had a nice group come over from uh, Encore Boston Harbor. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the room did close down there. So it was it was uh, nice to be able to have that offering mm-hmm. with a lot of the staff there. Basically, anybody that wanted to come from Encore uh, that was willing to move just a few thousand miles across yeah. the country. Just a little bit. Um, you know, we, I think I want to say it's 17 in total. Wow. Came, came over from, uh, from That's, Boston. So. Uh, Quite a pretty pretty neat, you know, people got to move across country and come Mm -hmm. to Vegas for the first time. And it's not uh, so daunting or uh, strange to them. They had a a small family to come to. And, uh, you know, kind of gives the if you play here for any regular amount of time, you'll see, you know, the old friendly faces from Las Vegas that, Uh you know, and, uh, you know, you'll see that you'll see that group was kind of mixed into the Las Vegas group now. And uh, I really feel like the. The group here has a, a, a special dynamic, cool. you know, from starting, I'll start at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, a, it's just a different kind of feel nice. than a lot of the other rooms in town, I would say, because a lot of people are coming from uh, former rooms that I was involved with mm-hmm. and uh, kind of have, have the same goals in mind. And plus when, you know, you're not the only one relocating, but everyone else is experienced. I'm sure that uh, that helps a little bit. Yeah. yeah and we had you know, a lot of people knew each other from the past. And right. I think we had 15 dealers come from the Venetian where it was previously at. And uh, I think 16 or 17 also from Wynn across the street. Uh, so a lot of people kind of kind of knew each other already. Cool. Well, uh, you may have heard there's kind of a pandemic going on and also sort of a general labor shortage. Have those been your biggest challenges in starting this room from scratch or has there been something else? Um, that is definitely not helpful. Um, <laughs> but we've, we've had we've really, really go back to the staff again and um although everybody is short in town uh you know we've asked for a lot of the team members during the world series to to step up and i can't tell you how many put their hands up to work six and seven days and wow. you know extra hours when it's busy uh they know the importance of putting our best foot forward in a new room and trying to showcase um what we bring to the table in comparison to a lot of the other rooms uh, you know everybody's comfortable mm-hmm. the the last poker room i guess open was aria over 10 years ago um so the other rooms have had a lot of time to practice and work out all the kinks sure it's going to take us some time to do that we're by no means perfect yeah Uh, but i but i'm certain when the the regular players that come in and play around town um that the biggest thing that will stick out is the staff you know the the, the, just the friendly faces uh that have been around the experience and that uh, most people are trying to do well they're not just here for the for the paycheck so to speak they're here you know they're here to provide a good a good service and a good poker room for all they, the players. And they enjoy what they do. You know, that's an important thing. Well, uh, both at Resorts World here and Encore Boston Harbor, when you first opened the room, it was cash games only, and then you moved into starting tournaments. How do you know when is the time right? Okay, now we're going to do a tournament schedule. Um, I guess <laughs> it kind of it does it itself. I I'm a more conservative person in the fact that I don't want to put out a product that is going to leave the players going, that was terrible or leave a bad feeling in their mouth where it's chaos. Oftentimes when a new property opens, one of the biggest bottlenecks is, is always the cashier. Okay. Nobody, nobody likes losing a ton of money, waiting to cash out the last, their last few dollars and having to wait 15, 20 minutes. 
Nobody likes standing in line for 45 minutes when they come in and they want to play a simple tournament. Um, I would say if there's got to be one indicator of when, when you're ready to start uh, making the room dynamic uh, or going away from just the simple cash games, uh, it's, when, it's when the cage is up to speed and, and ready to go. Uh, from a poker operating perspective, adding a tournament into the mix is not that big of a deal. One extra, one extra person, all the dealers do the, do, their, do the same thing. Right. Uh, structure and schedule is not that difficult, but uh, but that bottleneck being the cage can just it really can ruin everybody's experience mm -hmm. overall. So they, when when they're ready to do it, so we know. Cool. Well, uh, the WSOP is in town, and uh, when that happens, uh, all poker rooms tend to benefit. I imagine you've seen a little bit of a boost in the numbers this fall. Um, do you have any plans for a Resorts World larger tournament series of of some sort post WSOP? Uh, at some point, I wouldn't. We haven't really thought about dates or anything like that yet. I imagine we'll we'll start off small, like most most places do, something uh, encompassing maybe two weekends or ten days, and we'll try to check onto the success of either the you know the, the Win Signature Series or a Win Classic or one of the Venetian Deep Stacks. Um, they you know they've done everything well, done it right. They know their times and dates. You know we have to find a little spot where we can carve out something for us that we would do on an annual basis and then try to build from there. But we'll try to work something out once, once everything stabilizes with the labor and right. uh, you know, I don't want to, everybody's really going to burn themselves out during the WSOP from a dealing perspective and trying to put on a, a, a large scale event yeah. is just probably not, it's not necessary at this minute. Right. Uh, we're not getting pressure from above to, you know, fill this room up tomorrow. Uh, okay. We just keep going back to we're we're going to do things appropriately. We're going to do things right by the players. We're going to try to not get too crazy before we're ready to do so. So when we when we do it, the product will be will be great. Well, Rome wasn't built in a day. So, <laughs> um, well, I noticed uh, one thing when I walked in. You know, uh, right when you walk into the hotel, you can essentially see the poker room, which is pretty darn cool. Um, you know, new properties, new poker rooms. They tend to, you know, catch the eye of the curious, perhaps. Have you found that just some people walking by, passers-by, like, hmm, let's give this a try? Or is it more, you know, already a destination, like, oh, I specifically want to go to the Resorts World Poker Room? From what we've seen here, this property, it's a, it's more of a, it's more of a destination. I, we get a, we have a decent-sized rail on the front of the room here. Um, so we get a fair amount of uh, onlookers that are just walking by that kind of want to check check things out but it, it it's more uh people are coming here to play poker they're not the i don't think we get too many walk-ins maybe a few for the tournaments people come in and uh, mm -hmm. ask about the small tournaments and we're running some small dailies right now mm -hmm. and we'll pick up a couple of those each day but nothing i would, I would say from a cash game perspective very few that's fair that's fair. well just two more questions before we move into the community questions that people have sent in uh gary what's your favorite part of your job I like I that know. you're thinking about it. it. It's it's tough, and I would I would say though realistically that favorite part of the job is um, seeing the people that you respect that work here and knowing that that they enjoy working. You know, building a place where nobody loves their job. Nobody can walk in and be like, "Oh my gosh, I love this place." But I I'm pretty confident that the uh, staff walks in and says, "You know, I don't hate this place." <laughs> I would say having that is a is one of the things that keeps it going. That's a fantastic answer. And uh, 
a privilege to be able to, to answer something like that. That's pretty awesome. Um, and my final question, um, you know, after all those years away in Macau, are you enjoy being, enjoying being back in Las Vegas? Uh, parts of it. It, okay. uh, it was, uh, I was out of Vegas for, for seven years and uh, it, it, uh, it's obviously changed a lot in yeah. the past seven years. Yeah. If I was here, that slow transition probably wouldn't have noticed, but I, I'll be honest with you, it, it might've been harder to come back to the U S than it was to uh, go to, go to China with all wow. this, with all the differences, just the, wow. the changes in policy from an HR standpoint and a hiring standpoint and what's fair about scheduling. And so many things changed uh, during that time. My goodness. But, uh, wow. but yeah, overall happy to be, uh, happy to be back in Las Vegas. It's a, Nice place to live. It's a pretty decent sitting. <laughs> well, in this segment of the show, we turn to you guys, our cards, our cards chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. We have a dedicated thread on the cards chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your question. Uh, your questions. Our first questions come from Crystals. Thank you very much, Crystals. Uh, Crystals wants to know, Gary, what do you hope will be the one thing? that poker players remember about playing in your room here at Resorts World? I'm just that they were treated fairly and regardless of if you're a huge player playing in the potential 500,000 PLO game after you're walking to play a couple hours of one three or $100 tournament that, that you feel like you're treated with respect and uh, given the professional same professional attitude that everybody would be. Beautiful. Uh, next question from Crystals. Well, Let's speak about those one, two, one, three, two, five players. Uh, you know, you could find those games everywhere on the strip, everywhere in the city. Why should a player of those stakes play at Resorts World over the other rooms? Uh, I would say our, our chairs are as comfortable as anyone's. Um, our rake structure for two, five, um, we're just, we've already made a commitment to just be slightly better than everybody else's. If anybody gives a more generous rake structure on the two, five, uh, we'll go ahead and just make it better uh, just for that reason. And the, the one three is, is everybody's bread and butter. Yep. From an operator's perspective, you know, the only thing that we have to offer that's different than everybody else is I believe that we have, we have super friendly dealers and, and I don't think anybody can, can say otherwise, you know, there's always the one or two bad apples, but you know, uh, over, overall our dealers are amazing. Cool. Um, do you help, uh, Crystals wants to know, do you hope to have a big name series come through your property? Maybe something like the WPT coming for a visit? Uh, time will tell. That's, uh, you know, those are, those are partnerships that, that kind of come together over time. You can't force those to happen. Uh, something like that is going to be based on if we can get meeting space available, um, if we can get the equipment, if we can potentially build a long-term partnership with them there are quite large startup costs to, to run those as a one-off. Mm, okay. But uh, if, if uh, the stars align, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, the stars did align for you to join here at Resorts World and move back from Macau. So Crystals wants to know, what is it that drew you specifically to this property and say, okay, it's time to move on to a new challenge? Um, I would say the, the executive management team. Um, the fact that they were respected me enough to ask personal questions and business related questions that would be either positive or detrimental to the long-term success of their business 
without any commitment of working here. As I, as I said, I kind of spoke with them uh, in confidence before the property opened and tried to give them best I could to mm-hmm. set them up for success without any intention of ever working here. Wow. Um, and I was, I would say that's the biggest, that was the biggest thing for me when everything happened back last March mm-hmm. and uh, everything shut down, Yeah. Uh, you know, having the opportunity to call them and say, Hey, you know, uh, need to make some changes. Is there any availability uh-huh. for me to come out there? Uh, they were, they were oh, good with it. Great answer. Uh, last question from crystals. Is a kind of a big one. If there's one thing you could change about the poker industry, what would it be? Need a minute on that one. How to how to formulate that? I I will give you a time chip. <laughs> I I wish that players did not have to appear so anxious and greedy in order to um, achieve the highest level of, of EV from a uh, semi-professional player standpoint. I wish there was a way to allow the novice players to enter the poker playing circle without feeling like they were, they were the, uh, the, the bait fish in a, in, in a in a pond of piranha all the time. That that that's hard to watch from an operator's perspective. Mm. When you see somebody coming in with a great attitude, they're a little timid, and they they you know as we spoke about before, they go to sit there. You go to seat them, seat them, and three players just just jump to their left. That day they don't know what that is, but if they continue playing poker, they go, oh yeah, I, I see. Yeah, uh, just just little things like that, and, and unfortunately that's the law of the jungle. It's, it's yeah. just it's just the way it is, and that's yeah. okay. But uh, yeah, it asked for one thing. That's that's yeah, what it was. That's not fair. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just it's the way, the way it, is. it is. And sometimes you see it and you go, oh, you know, I wish it didn't have to happen that way. Totally fair. Uh, Acid Burn FX always uh, asks some very interesting and creative questions. Uh, thank you for these. What do poker room managers spend the most time thinking about, professionally speaking? Uh, trying to keep the players happy and letting you know to make making sure that the players know that you're doing what you can to keep them happy oftentimes the situation will arise and the the request from the players will be just why why can't you just do it do it this way um, you know and taking that extra time to talk to those to players and, and if they're willing to to hear you uh, explain the entire situation from front to back and why it's not just a simple fix um, I would, I would say is the most important for an operator because that, that really sets the groundwork with, with that player. And next time there's a situation, if you've got an army of those players that are saying, Hey, look, that person will take the time to explain everything. Don't get frustrated about the situation. Um, you know, if you, if you really want to know the answer to mm-hmm. it, uh, go ahead and have a conversation and, and you'll get, you, you might not like the answer, but mm-hmm. you'll at least get the full uh, thought through answer on why some things are the way they are. Hmm. Interesting. Well, perhaps a uh, dovetail or a related question to that also from Acid Burn FX. Poker does attract all types. So what types of players present the biggest challenge to you as a room manager? Players that would be un- unwilling to uh, behave appropriately in a 
in a large crowded environment. Uh, you know, everybody gets excited or upset or anxious from time to time. Uh, but the, the players that are that would just constantly needle uh, other players and dealers, um, believing that they are in the in the framework of acting okay is is probably the toughest challenge because you have to deploy so many resources into watching a, a particular player. Everybody knows who those who those players are. Um, you know, you try your best to to uh, just provide a equal playing field and a fun experience for for everyone. Yep. Okay. Uh, Shells, our last question asker. Thank you very much for sending these questions in for Gary Hager. Uh, Gary, uh, Shells has seen several videos showcasing Resorts World Las Vegas and is just itching to visit someday. Is there any single part of Resorts World that you personally find most impressive and what is it, if so? Uh, yes, I would say it's, it's called the Starlight Lounge. It's, okay. it's on the uh, 66th floor. Uh, it is open to the public. It has some gaming space in there. It's got a bar, a lounge, and uh, just really nice views facing north and south. Oh, uh, gives you a nice perspective. You can see the wind golf course on one side. You can see the stratosphere. Uh, and just the way that the building is situated on the on the Las Vegas Strip, the strip kind of curves just right. So you can you can be up there and just kind of look all the way down the, the road and kind of see all the hotels. It's really good. That's cool. It's a cool view. In a Anyone can just go there? It, it's not open 24 hours a day because okay. it's such a, a small area. But uh, I think it's open from 6 to most, most of, you know, 6 p.m. to 2 a.m. Uh, and yes, it is it is open to the public. I think I may uh, just pay a visit a little later today. We'll see. Um, okay. Uh, if you have any free time, what do you like to do? Shells wants to know. I like to think about in the future when I may have some free time <laughs> and uh, what I will do with that free time. That's our sound bite. <laughs> Very nice. Okay. Our final question for you, Gary, from Shells. What is left on your bucket list as far as your career is concerned? Um, from a poker standpoint, uh, I, I, I think I'm okay uh, in the poker arena. Uh, having gone, I'd like to think to the second busiest uh, poker room on the planet being in Boston, uh, by far the highest profit poker room by margin being in Macau. Uh, I don't obviously always more things to do uh, within poker but I don't uh, I don't need to do anything spectacular I'm okay just working with a good team and a, and a good property and just you know providing a good product for the players uh, okay. so as far as a uh, yeah, I don't really have a, a bucket list item career-wise uh, you know, feel fortunate that I was in the right place at the right time a couple of times and mm -hmm. um i've had the opportunities that i've had here we here we are well, uh, happy. well happy is the man with uh, an attitude of gratitude uh thank you very much to everyone who sent in questions for gary hager again just a friendly reminder to all of you out there in the cards chat community we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Gary, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? Say, come give us a chance here at Resorts World. You know, I, I believe you'll like the resort. Again, it's brand new, so there's a lot of a lot of kinks that may need to get worked out. Uh, but as time passes, we're seeing those quickly get worked out. 
by Christmas, we'll have at least 40 restaurants on property, um, almost all of which are available for, for delivery in the poker room. If you want wow. to play poker, well, 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 uh, trying some of our food options, uh -huh. um, but uh, definitely come check out the property and uh, say hello. And if it's your first time here, I'd be happy to give you a quick run around the property and show you some of the key features and some of the unique things that we have. Beautiful. Well, I'm, uh, as soon as I finish this interview, I want to be checking out the, the poker games at the felt myself. Uh, Gary, thank you again so much. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Player Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.